Welcome to Random Gaming Talk, it's Entertainment Talk's podcast for video games. I'm your host Matthew, joining me today, my co-host is Robert. How's it going? It's going good, how's it going for you? Going okay, better than, than yesterday. Um, I may or may not give some context to that later, but uh, it's been an interesting week. It's been an interesting week, but I'm feeling better today. Um... What have you been uh, playing? It's been, it's been two weeks. Um, basically, what happened last week, because I do like to actually explain why we miss weeks when we do. Um, I had something that came up. There was not a lot of news, and I just couldn't shove a show into into the Friday night because uh, it, it just didn't happen. So, uh, I was trying yeah, to and you it. were busy all weekend because I offered to record Saturday and Sunday, and you couldn't make either. Yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been a bit of a week. It's been a bit of a week, so... Um, I was trying to plan a particular letter that I've mentioned recently. Um, so there's uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, all right, so yeah, what what, uh, what have you been playing? Uh, well, the thing that I've been playing most, a game that I've talked about a couple of times on the podcast, Seven Days to Die, released their new alpha. Um, now, it's not alpha in the sense that the game is in pre-release, although technically it's not a full, full version. What they do is they release a version do updates, get feedbacks, and then they make massive sweeping changes to the game. And then the next version is that next alpha. Uh, So the alpha that just released is Alpha 21. And like all big changes, I mean, there's way more changes to talk about in the game um, that I want to go into. But if you're familiar with that game, if you're not familiar with the game, rather, basically it's called that because it's a zombie survival, but the focus is more on... Um, just hanging around doing stuff. It's like Minecraft HD version extreme. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. every seven days, there's a giant fuck you wave of zombies that come at you, and you got to have a defense base prepped up for it. That's the name of it. Mm. Uh, so I've been playing that, getting used to a lot of the new changes. Uh, they made a lot of changes to the crafting. They made a lot of changes to items. Uh, there's more than a few items that don't even exist anymore. Um, so if you're not familiar with that game, or you had it and haven't played it in a while, or if you're just looking for a new zombie game, that's one I would recommend going out. That game's been out for years. I mean, I think 10 or 12. I mean, we're in Alpha 21, and they do an Alpha roughly every year and a half or so. So do mm. the math on that. Cool. Yeah, I played that like five years ago or something. And it, it I liked the idea of it, but it wasn't in a very good state. So yeah, I like mean it's one of now. those games that they always make changes to it. Um, it's also kind of a demanding game now. I actually got out of it um, a while ago because my computer couldn't handle it, and so I couldn't uh, get into it until after I had just done my uh, PC rebuild, rebuild, and uh, was able to get into it. I just looked it up. It released December in 2013, so it's a 10 year old game. Wow, and they just did another major update to it. So, hmm. cool. Uh, anything else? Uh, that's about it. Um, it is part of the Steam sale, um, so if you're curious on it, it's six dollars now. Cool. That, and that's part that of sounds the Steam nice and cheap. Sale. Yeah, that is a, a very affordable game. Uh, that, so, you mean it's on the it. on the Steam Deck? I don't know if it's on the Steam Deck. Okay. I don't know how well it would play on the Steam Deck. Because it is very mouse heavy. They did have, they do have it on Xbox. I don't know if it's on PlayStation console. It's not a company that's owned by Microsoft, 
so it could be on there, but it didn't translate very well to console, so I don't know how well it would translate to Steam Deck. Hmm. Cool. I've uh, been playing Zelda. Um, I must have Breath of the Wild. No, that's not what this one's called. It's called Tears of the Kingdom. I've put probably a good chunk of time into this game. I think I pretty much just started it when we did our show two weeks ago. Um, there's quite a lot to talk about. And I was watching... Uh, now and again I watch um, beat-em-ups videos. He's like a Nintendo guy. I don't watch like loads of his stuff. And t- sometimes the problem is with trying to be caught up on certain YouTubers, obviously we probably all, we probably all follow quite a few different YouTubers, is when YouTube starts to think, now nah, I'm going to stop recommending their videos to you, so you sort of like, not forget about them, but the ones that you check out not as regularly, their content tends to get a bit more hidden, because YouTube's algorithm is stupid and broken, and I hate it. Um, yes. But uh, I, I think the reason it did come back up, I was, I was searching for a few Zelda-related things to try and figure things out and i think youtube thought okay we'll put his videos back on your recommendations um and even he and because he did like a 15 minute video kind of thing and he was like there's so 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 much to break down um i think he's probably played it for longer than i have though but um there's a lot a lot to talk about i need to talk about ultra hand though um i remember when they did their 15 minutes show off of like here's some of the new mechanics they showed off fuse and they showed off ultra hand um they both do the same thing but fuse does it for weapons and ultra hand does it for objects which is basically you can stick things together to make things do other things like you can stick a rock on the end of a sword and now you've got a rock on the end of the sword or you can put a sharp horn on the end of a stick and now it will have a stick at the end you know that 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 sort of thing um or you can put a leaf on the end of a stick and it will now act as like a sort of um, fan in a way that you can use to like guide your makeshift boats. I've tried to build many, many, many things with Ultra Hand and I find it to be absolutely infuriating uh, to try to do it because I'm going to say like 95 to 98% of the things I've tried to build have not worked remotely in the way that I've wanted them to. The biggest one I find to have a problem with is is the fans. Because they'll be sort of like, oh, I'm trying to get to this tower. Okay, it's way too high up. I can climb, but Link has got nowhere near enough stamina. He's not going to be able to climb the whole thing. Plus, it's got spikes on the side. So I'm going to look around and see, okay, I've got three or four fans on my in my inventory and there's a piece of wood over there okay i'm going to go over to the piece of wood bring it over flip it over put the fans on flip it back over and then try to because you basically hit the fans so that the energy thing goes off and it uses that nope completely flipped over ended up like just as a disaster and um you can unlock things like wheels that you can use and um What's the other things I got? I got this little rocket the other day, which like, didn't seem to work properly. Um, every time I try to build something specifically to take off into the air, because there's all the sky islands and all these sorts of things, none of it ever seems to work. Um, there is in the game a steering wheel, which you can get. Obviously, you can probably use that to guide these things, but I haven't got that yet, so I can't use that. But then that shouldn't be reliant on that. Um... I'm able to build boats and put, like, 
uh, flags on uh, sorry wind sails or whatever on the on the logs and do that like I it's still a little bit cumbersome to do but I, I can do that but it's when I'm trying to get some, when I'm trying to build something that's going to take off into the air it just it just it just always like flips over or does something and then I'm like okay I'm going to move the fans to this side like instead of having them near the middle I'm going to put them out on the wider parts of the piece of wood or whatever or try and put one on the side to like push it a different way and it just never ever works and it's one of the things in the game where I'm thinking am I doing this wrong like do I need to look up how to do this properly or should it be I I feel like it should just be simpler um and it's one of them things in the game where I'm like okay why are you making it this because regardless of if I'm doing it wrong or not, I feel like this game should have something coded in it to where it's trying to recognise what I'm trying to build and sort of um, help me to put it together properly. Rather than the game secretly trying to say to me, no, you need to put the fan like a slight angle to the right or a slight bit more further back. Like, just can, why can't the game see the intent that I'm trying to do with the things I'm trying to build and like click it together better i i don't understand why it's not sort of doing that it's making the mechanic very very not fun um and it's gotten me like i mean i don't really get angry or whatever but it's really got me quite infuriated at points um there was even this part where you had like a hot air balloon and i was trying to use that and, and then the balloon burst on it because i can't even remember why that happened then i tried to put two fans on the side of it and sort of make it go up and again it just flipped over and then i tried to put four fans on it which was two on one side two on the other flipped over and i'm trying to look at this thing and see like okay where is the weight balance incorrect where do i need to put these things and no matter where i put the fans on the different stuff it just always manages to flip over in some way shape or form um i'm surprised i haven't crushed my link to death sometimes because like it's pushed him off, obviously, and then the things like collapsed on top of me. Um, aside from that, because I just had to get that out, um, combat's really fun and kind of challenging. I really like the traversal when it does work in certain instances. Um, I think the world's going to be very interesting to navigate once I continue to do that. I'm currently trying to unlock the towers, which I'm finding to be a, a kind of kind of fun and stuff. Um, weapon degradation is still really annoying, but then the whole idea is supposed to be that you fuse things together to make them stronger. They still don't really last long enough, though. Because um, it's like you... I remember when you said before, when you were playing Breath of the Wild, that, okay, you get given special weapons at some point, like, oh, here's this energised, infused, like, sword or something. Oh, this might last a few more hits. And no, it doesn't. It's just a better... It's a better version of the weapons that you've got, but they don't last as long. And it feels like one of them games, um, it almost feels like, I've played a bit of Borderlands at, at, at points, it almost feels like Borderlands where it's like, okay, none of these weapons are going to last, so here's 20 of them, but you can't carry 20, so that you break them, get new ones, break them, get new ones, instead of keeping things for a long time, um, and that applies to everything, it applies to bow and arrows and shields and all that kind of stuff. I've done some interesting combinations of like having um, a blaster on my shield so when I put the shield up it blasts an enemy but then you don't want to get too close because then Link will get hurt or you'll put the grass on fire that you're in and it will set him on fire so there's, there's things like that, that that's been in there but even because how long would I say I've played this 12 hours maybe it is is my rough estimate I still feel like I'm barely scratching the surface of anything that I'm that I'm doing um, also the process of trying to get the paraglider and when you do the mission called Crisis at Hyrule, which isn't a spoiler, 
Um, there's a very, very simple way that you do do that, but the game does not tell you how to do that. But when I looked it up, I was like, why didn't the game just tell me to do that? So I'm a bit frustrated with certain parts of this. Um, I like the ideas that are in this game, I just don't think some of them are coming together. But then I don't know how much of that is the game being annoying or me not being able to do certain things. But then if you give me a mechanic, mechanic which is like, hey, you can put these things on this to make this bit better, I shouldn't need to watch like a 15 minute tutorial as to how to do it because it, I, I feel like some of those mechanics shouldn't be as difficult as what they actually are. Um, like Fuse is simple, it's like, hey, you have this, you want to pick this up, cool, stuck that on that, That's that, there you go, good to go. I've got, I've got no problem with Fuse. Um, I wish I could Fuse more than one thing onto a weapon, but, you know, two things is, is better than none. Um, so, yeah, um, I'm, I'm not quite sure, like, I mean, I'm enjoying it, I'm just frustrated at different parts of it, but uh, what do you kind of think of what I've said and, and everything else there? See, that whole Fuse mechanic... That doesn't sound like a Zelda game. And merging mm. all that other stuff together to make rando objects does not sound like a Zelda game. I've yet to hear anything really Zelda-related in uh, that entire description of a Zelda game. Outside you mean of everything I just said? like Quite literally everything you just said. <laughs> none of that sounds like... None of that talked about the monsters you fight. None of that talked about the dungeons you crawl through. None of that talked about the Triforce or Ganon or Link, or any of that. You could literally be describing a game that had absolutely no connection to Zelda, and it would be literally the exact same game. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I just... I know I've already mentioned it, but, like... If I'm putting a fan on a piece of wood and then flipping it over and then turning it on and standing on it, why isn't there something in the game that recognizes, oh, the player wants to create something where it... Like, there should be something within the fan that, like, doesn't let it drift off dramatically in the way that it does. Um, see, I have an answer on that, because I have a couple programmer friends, and I asked them about that. They were, they were working on a game that sadly never launched. They said, the one thing you can never program is the intent of the user. You can only program the engine to act in a certain way. Mm. If the user intends it to act in a different way, the program has no way of knowing that. Yeah, I just feel like there should be something where, okay, if I've used Ultra Hand to connect a fan to something, literally force it to not drift off. Um, I'll give you a different example. Let's say when you boost and you fly around in Iron Man VR, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing that makes me, like, twist around. I'm always level on the game. So, okay, if, if I've got problems with, like, going up or down, you have the controls to do that. But I can't, like, suddenly spin upside down when I'm playing Iron Man VR. Like, there's the, the game recognizes I'm trying to just fly normally. Um, you can turn around left and right, but it doesn't let me, like, tip upside down and, like, spin around all over the place. Um, like but that, see, that goes back to my point. Yeah. When you're flying, your intent the intent of the game is for you to fly, and you're matching that intent. Mm -hmm. Until you hit the controls to do something different, um, nothing's going to happen. Whereas with Zelda, you take two random objects, put them together, the game has no way of knowing what your intent is actually going to be. So it just has to go off of whatever it's been programmed mm. for those two objects and how they interact. Yeah. yeah. I, I get what you mean, but I, I just felt like 
because out of all of Link's abilities, like Ascend, and he's got, um, what's it called, Recall, all those work in the way I think they are supposed to. Because I get what you mean in terms of, okay, I'm trying to build something. The game might not necessarily know exactly what I'm trying to build. But um, there is also as well, like when you're flipping over a fan, when you're trying to turn it in a particular way around, for example, if I've got that aiming upwards... I, I want it to literally restrict itself from being able to turn side turn side to side. And same for the other way. If I've got it so I'm trying to push something forward like a boat, like if I've got it at that angle, restrict itself from going, like flipping frontwards or backwards. Um, but I don't know, that's, that's just like, um, I don't know how else to quite sort of explain that. But uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's a directional kind of, Sort of like sort of problem, especially when I've put four fans on four corners of the bottom of a piece of wood and it's still flipping over. It's like not like and okay, I'm like okay, should I stand in the middle as Link to try and wait it? Because there is a thing as well in the game, um, which is this wing that you can stand on. Now you put that on a grid, you jump on it, and it simply just um, almost like Buzz Lightyear. You know how Buzz Lightyear kind of like. Um, glides. It starts gliding. And okay, I know that that thing's going to drift because it doesn't have any fans or boosters on it, but the thing doesn't start dipping downwards unless I walk forwards on it. And there's a very specific design of it where there's like a circle in the middle. If you want that thing to like stay middle, you stand in the middle. So anyway, uh, but we're seven min 17 minutes into this and <laughs> I just talked about Ultra Hand for uh, a good chunk. Uh, anyway, that's some of my thoughts on that. And please, if anybody's playing Tears of the Kingdom and you know uh, what I'm trying to do or how I'm trying to do it and you um, have an idea of how I can build something or something like that, please do let me know because it's uh, really starting to infuriate me. Um, I'll, I'm going to keep playing the game. I'm still enjoying the game. I'm not going to rage quit it or, or whatever. But uh, anyway, I feel like I've talked about that enough. Uh, let's get some housekeeping and then we'll get some news. See you in a minute. Today's sponsor is Manscaped. You can get 20% off with your order with Manscaped by using the promo code that we've got with them, which is ETALKUK. That's E-T-A-L-K-U-K to get 20% off your order and free shipping with Manscaped. They sell various different men's grooming products from shavers, razors, ear and nose head trimmers, different clothes and deodorants. You don't even need to Google Manscaped themselves. You can click on the link in your show notes, whether you're on a podcast player or the website uh, version of the episode and you can go and click on that link in the show notes that's also got the promo code written in the show notes as well so you can either copy and paste the promo code etalkuk e-t-a-l-k-u-k you can either copy and paste that into your show notes or type it in in the promo code box and click apply that will get you 20 percent off your order with manscaped and free shipping first hand quality professional with manscaped from their packaging to the items themselves, even the way the items are stored in the packaging is very, very first class, very professional, so no questions about Manscaped's quality. Thanks very much to Manscaped for sponsoring Entertainment Talks podcast, and thank you very much for listening. Hi there, if you're looking to get started with a website of your own and a domain name, we've got good news for you. With our affiliate link with Kualu, you can click on that link which is in your show notes, which is for our affiliate link. You can go over to Kualu to get started with your website and domain name today. They've also got a very handy chat support system which is usually in the bottom right hand corner to send messages back and forth to Kualu if you'd like to ask them for help to get started with your domain name and website today so that's Kualu and you can use them to get started with your website and domain name today thank you very much to Kualu for this affiliate link 
Hi there, if you'd like to get rid of the ads in Entertainment Talks podcast and listen to the ad-free versions of our episodes, we've got good news for you there as well. You can subscribe to Entertainment Talk at either the $5 level tier or $10 level tier. The $5 level tier will get you access to all of Entertainment Talk's previous ad-free podcasts and the future ad-free podcasts that we make in the month that you're subscribed for. If you also subscribe to us at the $10 level tier, that will get you that benefit that I've just mentioned, and it'll also grant you access to request a review for two episodes of a TV show and a general discussion on that show, or a film review of your choice. So if you if there's a TV show out there or a film that we've not covered perhaps and you'd like our opinion on it, we can watch two episodes of that TV show or film review. So it's one of either of those per month. Of course, if you continue subscribing each month, you can pick a TV show, then a film the next month and so on and so forth. This is a great way to support entertainment talk, get your ad-free podcasts and also get some reviews of your choice. Thank you very much for supporting us and thank you for listening. Back to the show. Alright, uh, recently on Entertainment Talk, did another TV season review this week. Uh, this one was for Working Mums, that's Working and then M-O-M-S, because it's American. Uh, the final season of Working Mums, very, very strong must-see. Uh, this goes beyond even just a strong must-see 10 out of 10. I think this is one of the best shows I've ever seen. Um, consistently good for seven seasons, had a marquee moment in its pilot. All, for, all the way from there right through to the end of the show, the way the show ended, the way it used its time in its final season, the way it concluded, how it always had fresh and new ideas, even up to its final season. Um, I've spoken about Breaking Bad before a few times as to I, I think that's the best show I've seen. I think this is not level with Breaking Bad, but in the same conversation. I really, really do think this show is that good. If you're interested in watching it, uh, it's on CBC in America. I'm not exactly sure where it would be for streaming. But if you're in the UK, it's on Netflix. All seven seasons are on there. It's not too long either. There's like 13 episodes in each season, but they're like 20 minutes. So like, what, six and a half hours for for a season? Uh, so highly, highly recommend you check that out. Um, have you heard of the show at all, Robert? I have not. I'm looking it up now to see if I can find out what it is on here in the States. Uh, but to be fair, I don't really watch a whole lot of TV anymore. I don't have... A cable subscription. I don't have yeah. anything like that. I just have a couple of streaming services, and uh, really, that's about it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, did you find what platform it's on for you? I'm not seeing it. Uh, it's out of Canada. Yeah, CBC. Uh, let's see if they have anything here. It might just be. Ha- it might just have to be on Netflix because I'm not seeing mm. anything. Uh, domestic that it would be that I could recognize so it might just be a Netflix series here in the States alright there you go Uh, over on the chat podcast for June 2023 yeah almost forgot what month and date it was Uh, talked a bit about Pride obviously we just had Pride month talked about The Witcher and my podcast plans and talked about uh, dating as well Uh, over on the DC talk we had some very very big news this week which feels like it's already gone under the radar which is that uh, the DCU, which is going to have its Superman legacy, of course, the James Gunn written and directed reboot, who's also leading the studio, no pressure, uh, is doing a new Superman reboot. And um, David Cornsweet and uh, Rachel Brosnahan are going to be Lois and uh, Superman. Uh, what do you think of that casting, by the way? Uh, interesting casting. They went kind of young 
Mm. Um, so they're obviously aiming for like very early in his uh, origin series of it being Superman and Lois Lane. Yeah. Um, outside of that, I honestly am not familiar with either actor. Couldn't give you an opinion on either one. Mm-hmm. All right, but uh, I talked about that over there. Uh, over in the other DC talk, I decided to do a podcast called How 2017's Justice League Changed DC. If you look at the timeline, if you look at the way things happened before and after that film came out, it really did create like a complete butterfly effect for DC uh, leading into what we've got now. I do have another DC talk pl- uh, podcast planned for next week. I need to watch the Snyder Cut. I've already watched the other three films I plan to. I'm going to try and watch the Snyder Cut on Sunday, make some notes at some point. Uh, so look out for that podcast Tuesday, Wednesday-ish, depends on time and other stuff. So look out for that. Uh, over on The American Coach, I talked about Ted Lasso. I did a series wrap-up. Uh, I did say I was going to wait to see if there's ever any news about a spin-off or season four, because people really, really want a season four. Uh, nothing at the moment, so I decided to do a series wrap-up for that. That's, of course, Ted Lasso on Apple TV+, Plus. a series wrap-up for that. Over on Gaming Talk two weeks ago, we talked about the Nintendo Direct, uh, Crash Team Rumble, and a gaming buffet that I had, I was going to say gone to. No, I didn't go to a buffet. I played a lot of different games and gave opinions on them. Uh, over on the United Cast, did my 22 to 23 season wrap-up, covering, uh, well, not covering all the games, but the season in general. Uh, Man United start their pre-season next week um, on Wednesday, so I will do a preview podcast for next season of course next season is coming up very soon um either early august or late july we still got some players to hopefully buy and also hopefully to get rid of as well so we'll see how all that goes don't skip review for the flash it's finally out um apparently not a lot of other people have seen it because it is not doing well at the box office uh so there's all that as well um but don't skip review for the flash that's spoiler free spoiler split um we returned with Breaking Bad recently. We're going to be back with that in a couple of weeks. That's for season three. And that's what we've been doing recently on entertainmenttalk.org and on podcast platforms. All right, let's get into some news. I just got a couple of things to talk about. Um, I'll leave the bigger thing because it will take longer to talk about second. Because uh, I've got I've got two pieces of news, but one thing to kind of connect to one of them. So this one piece of news I got is a bit loosey goosey because I saw a story about a game mechanic, then I lost where it was from and who it involved, but I remembered the the purpose of the story, and I really tried uh, like on Twitter and online to look for it today. Basically, a developer of a game whose name I forgot because I only looked at the article for two seconds and then I tried to get it back and I could not find it at all, um, said that they were going to put a game mechanic into their game, which is something that's not been done in games before. And I just thought that was an interesting conversation to have. Um, but I could not find... Uh, of course, if I remembered the name of the developer, I could have. we could have maybe looked into sort of uh, which game that might be for. But, um, yeah, I suppose a bit, I, we can have a bit of a conversation then about game mechanics and that sort of thing in terms of, okay, we are, what, three years into this new generation of games with the PS5, Series X, and all that sort of stuff. Um, 
Obviously, PC is always going to be PC, and Nintendo just does what Nintendo does. Um, what type of mechanic? Now, th- the the wording I saw was something that hasn't been in games before. Um, what would you like to be, or what do you think that is going to be? Uh, I personally don't know. If I had to guess, though, at the uh, uh, developer, my money would be on Peter Molyneux because he is epic for over-promising and over-delivering. I actually had an article that was in my potential queue that I uh, decided not to talk about, but the title of the article is Peter Molyneux Returns Promising Not to Hype His Next Game Before Hyping His Next Game. Um, (laughs) So... If I had to bet money on it, that would be the first person I would bet on because he was the guy behind the original Fable. Mm. And imagine being promised a, a beef Wellington from Ramsey Steakhouse and you get a drive through burger. That's about how stark a, a difference it was between what was it promised and what was delivered. I'm just, I'm just Googled it, looked up his name on Twitter. It was him. Yes, I'm seeing Called some. It. I'm seeing some Eurogamer articles now, because um, I thought, okay, if I look that name up quickly while Robert's still talking, um, right. So I can give you the proper thing now. Now that you said that, Peter Molyneux teases new uh, project with idea never seen in a game before, uh, and it's got a picture of him here. Um, so yes, you were correct about that, and there's stuff from Gamespot and other places as well. Um, so the phrase never never been seen in a game before. Um, I mean, because t- two of the things I've wanted this generation of games to do is have more and different animations and more unique animations. And I've given examples from like The Last of Us that I've seen before, which I can mention in a minute. Um, and different ways to interact with games. So the two the two examples I'll give for, for both of those. So there was an animation I once saw in Last of Us Two. Right, I was on. I'm not going to give any spoilers for anything. I'm just explaining a gameplay a gameplay sort of animation. It wasn't really a mechanic because all I did was shoot a bullet, and then the rest was just animation. So there was a point where I was on the on a roof as Ellie, of course, uh, and there were like people trying to get me and all that sort of stuff. And somebody pushed this door open, and it was like a, I think it was like a fully glass door, I can't remember if it had any other bits on it. And, um, I think I shot them, they, they were about to shoot me or something, I was like, prone on the roof or something, and I aimed at them with a, it was just normal pistol, it wasn't like a special gun. I remember I shot them in the head, their body fell back, and it smashed on the glass but the way their body sort of reacted to that because some games would just have you shoot that character obviously a headshot in a game like that is an instant death because that that's not necessarily the case for every single game you play like some games um which have like health bars and stuff even if you do a headshot it won't always be an instant kill some games would have you do that and the body would just slump to the floor but it was the way their body kind of like staggered backwards a little bit and then fell onto the glass and I was trying to... Like, I've seen bodies fall in different ways, but it was the way it fell on the glass and reacted to it. Like, because uh, it like fell backwards on it, the glass smashed, that created a particular sound and all that. That also alerted some of the other people to that sound, because that's how sound works in that game. Um, the interactivity thing, I remember when I first played Red Dead Redemption 2, 
and when you're in the open world and random people will come up to you or they'll say things to you and you can have not necessarily always confrontations but a character will interact with you and there's many 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 different things that you could do you can take out your gun and shoot them you can take out their gun and shoot their leg that creates a different situation you can uh, get off your horse walk over to them you can try and ride off or you can, uh, I think it was L2 or something, and you can either give a positive or negative, I can't remember what the buttons were called, but one was like more aggressive and one was more sort of like, hey, calm down kind of thing. And there was like probably 10 different ways that scenario can go. Um, that's an interactivity I'm sort of talking about. So those, those are the two examples I always talk about when I talk about that sort of thing. So in terms of what this would be, I really don't know. Of course, it's not our idea to come up with new ideas. We're not game developers. We just talk about the things that developers come out with. Um, so I don't know what that could be, but something that's never been seen in a game before. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll, uh, we'll have to see. Well, what um, what sort of mechanics are... Because I pointed out animation and interactivity there. What sort of things... What type of mechanics kind of impress you in games um, Dialogue, more of the time? mostly. Okay. Especially with like dynamic dialogues to where you can interrupt somebody and that actually affects the flow of a conversation. Mm, yeah. Or give you get like a ton of different options, but those options are based off of your character stats. That's why I've always been a bigger fan of Bethesda games because that goes, well, not even Bethesda, but just like some genres like the original Fallout. Um, you can beat the final boss with the correct series of speech checks. Uh, so things like that. Uh, that's why I was so disappointed after I had gotten, you know, the, the, you know, the honeymoon phase over with Fallout 4 was I was really disappointed with both the uh, dialogue choices and the factions because the mm. factions were all just like different variations of jackholes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like that as well, that sort of stuff. Um, there's also times in, let's say, like Uncharted or Last of Us as well, where if Drake or Ellie, in the case of Last of Us, will have a companion with them, they'll be talking about something, and you can maybe walk off a little bit to the side. Maybe you see some ammo or something, and one of them will say, "Okay, we'll catch up. We'll catch up in a second or something." Then you come back, and they go, "Wait, what were we talking about?" And then they kind of pick up the conversation like that, rather than like the character forcefully following you or they forget about the whole thing or something like that. I think that happens a little bit in God of War as well, um, like when you're going. When you're on the boat and Kratos is having conversations with like Atreus and um, what's the what's the guy's name, the head, what's he called again? I don't remember. I can't remember what his name is. Um, with him and like you get out the boat and then you get back in the boat like at a later stage when you've done something, and um, they'll be like, oh yeah, we were telling this story and then they'll kind of continue from there. Um, because that means that you're getting characters to like remember things, which is which I find quite cool as well. So there's that. So we'll see what this idea is at some point, I suppose. Um, so yeah. Uh, the other news I've got is this little thing. <clears throat> We've recently seen this game at PlayStation Showcase and at uh, Summer Games Fest as well. Spider-Man 2, which is October something or other, 20th, I think. There's quite a few games coming out in October. We'll be at SDCC. Uh, it's good because. For doesn't seem like anybody else is going to be. Uh, Netflix isn't going to be there. Marvel's not going to be there. DC's not going to be there. Um, there's a whole bunch of like companies that aren't going to be there for some reason. Um, but Spider-Man 2 will be. Um, what are you hoping to... Where's your kind of like excitement levels at and stuff? Because I remember when we came away from... I think it was the initial showing. The, when, when I was a bit more underwhelmed with it. 
and you were like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to playing this game. Um, so what are you hoping to see from uh, Spider-Man 2 at SDCC? Honestly, I don't know that I really need to see anything more because I saw okay. the scope of the game, which was big. Yeah. I saw the improvement of the physics, the graphics, uh, the fact that it looks like they're going to kind of pull a GTA 5 where you bounce between Miles and Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, that was cool. We got our sense of some of the, the new baddies that are going to be in, Prowler, which for whatever reason my brain kept going to Punisher, even though that's <laughs> not that character, although that is a classic Spider-Man interaction. Yeah. So, you know, maybe it'll show up. But we get uh, Symbiote Suit Spider-Man, which if you want to look really into obscure, like, comic books, um, the Gen 1 characters in the original comic for Transformers was originally under Marvel, and they had a Symbiote Suit Spider-Man Transformers uh, crossover. I actually still have that comic. Um, so if you want to look up like really weird, obscure stuff, you can look up that little mm. bit of run of Transformers. Uh, we're getting Craven as the main baddie, which I've always a lot of people don't like him, but I'm I like. Not the concept. I'm not really that much of a fan of him. I like the concept of him because I think you could take that concept of somebody that's looking for the next challenge and then taking it too far. Mm. Like if you look into sports. Like, you and I are both sports guys. Mm-hmm. There's always, you know, the one star that's looking for the next up-and-comer to challenge them at what they're already the best at doing. And mm. you get that kind of dynamic, and you get that kind of interaction, and it can lead to some really awesome stuff. And so just taking that, but taking it onto a hunting level, and then just like, I'm going to start hunting human, super-powered humans for the challenge. Obviously, that's a terrible thing. Um, but as a story narrative, yeah, it opens up a lot of potential. So I've always had less dislike for that character than most people because of that, because of the story potential. Hmm. Um, like I said before, it really hyped me up. If if they had done like a Spider-Man PS5 version, I probably would have pre-ordered it. Um, even though I don't really play, I haven't even turned on my PS4 in forever. I've actually been concentrating more on my PC games. Uh, my Xbox has kind of become a, a YouTube broadcaster when I want it on the big screen, weirdly enough. Um, mm. yeah. But yeah, I mean, mid, obviously we got a release date, so I don't care, don't need to know about that. Um, I can't think of any mechanic that they would introduce to make somebody want to buy the game more because just from the graphics, the gameplay, and the story potentials alone, if that ain't going to sell it to you, some random mechanic ain't gonna do it yeah 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 i kind of agree um we'll see obviously what new like combat mechanics i imagine there's some some different stuff he's going to be able to do and we saw uh obviously get the symbiote suit at some point so that's going to um uh give him some different stuff to do uh, as we already saw um which will be very cool. Um, I do want to see a bit of a different variety of, of animations, maybe. I mean, when you've got a character that's flipping around and shooting stuff and that sort of thing, there's some uh, opportunity for that. But I am looking forward to the scale with Venom. I really like Venom as a character. That's why I was so disappointed with what Sony's done with him. I mean, Tom Hardy in the role is very, very good. Those film, those two films are not very good, particularly uh, the Carnage film, because they butchered that character as well. At least I thought they did. Um, speaking of that, they're doing for this Sony, I don't even know what the name of the stupid thing is, uh, they're doing a Craven film for that, aren't they? 
So I, I've heard rumblings of that, but I then think again, it's a trailer. yeah, but fan made trailers are almost. Oh no, I think it's an official official trailer that came out. Yeah, well, um, it's, it's what I haven't seen it. Okay, but unless you see it on like the official YouTube or whatever channel of that company, yeah, I don't trust it because I've seen some fan made trailers that were actually better oh, than yeah. the movie that came out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I still find it funny with the Sony Spider-Man thing that okay, you've got Carnage, Venom, Craven, Morbius, but like, where where are you going with all that if you're not using Spider-Man? I think Silk is going to be part of that eventually, for like an Amazon TV show. It's like okay, but like you're just kind of making the villains fight each other. Like put Spider-Man. I, I'm sure they could maybe get. Um, like Andrew Garfield would fit into that quite well. If you had him doing that and then Tom continuing in the MCU, and you could still have Toby hanging around as like an older Spider-Man, um, there's some there's some ideas there that you could do. So, but I guess they've got the contract with Marvel, and I don't know exactly what that looks like. I don't even know because um, who's allowed to have Miles Morales Morales for live action? I'm not. I even, don't know that I'm, anybody has that right. Yeah, um, because he is a different character. Yeah, he's a different character. He's also a newer character. Yeah, um, he was hinted at in Homecoming. If you remember the scene where uh, and in No Way Home as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in, in the scene in Homecoming when uh, uh, Peter Parker web shoots the guy to the cab, uh, to the to the car, and does the fake deep voice, like "Tell me where the guns are being bought." And the <laughs> guy says, "I don't want those guns in my nep- in my neighborhood. My nephew uh, lives in that area." He was referring to Miles Morales because yeah. Donald Glover's character was prowl would have been prowler with Miles Morales being his nephew at Spider Man. He's so Donald Glover is ridiculously talented. If anybody's not seen uh, Atlanta on FX, I very much recommend that. So um, cool. See what's uh, at show. Um, when is Comic Con? Because it is July. It's the first week of July already gone. So I think it's like it's next hard week to tell because a lot of places have actually pulled out of comic-con yeah i know one in yeah. san diego um and mm. looked it up because usually marvel and dc are the two big things there and neither of those are going yeah uh marvel dc they're not going hall h is going to be basically dead at this point um mm. yeah this is from the local news uh hollywood continues to grapple with the impact of writer strike and actor strike uh Several of the entertainment industry's biggest companies have decided to skip panels in, Paul, in uh, Hall H. Disney, Marvel, Lucas, same thing. Uh, HBO, mm-hmm. Sony, Netflix, Universal will be pulling out from Hall H presentations. Um, so, yeah, that's like if they're not going to be there, obviously that's more face time and screen time for the smaller, more indie writers. But, you know... You go to see the Beatles and the Beatles don't show up. Are you really going to stay for the opening act? Mm. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I put here as well to connect to this um, is where is this like Wonder Woman game? Because um, I was thinking of superhero games and ones that we haven't seen for a while. I think it was not last year at the Game Awards, but the year before that. So like eight, eight, roughly 18 months ago. Um, and because I've been watching some Wonder Woman related things recently. Um, yeah, I hope that game's uh, still in development and stuff. I saw some conversation about it online the other day. Because um, I think w- when I was reading comments about this Spider-Man stuff, I saw people talking about Wonder Woman. I think it's from Monolith Studios. So uh, hopefully that turns up somewhere at some point soon. Uh, that's what I've got for this week. How about yourself? 
I got a few things. First off, the closing arguments have been booked for the Microsoft versus FTC trial. Uh, I'm not going to go through everything about it because that would take a minimum three hours, especially since we missed a week last week uh, with a podcast. So I will go over some things that caught my interest. Uh, like I mentioned before, um, if you're interested in learning more of the ins and outs of it and more of the stuff of you know, on a broader sense, I recommend Destin Legary on YouTube, his YouTube channel, Destin. I just hit 100K subs, so you know, shout out to that. Cool. Um, so some interesting yep. things is that Microsoft is thinks that a $400 PS5 Slim could be coming in this year. Now, obviously, a PlayStation Slim is not a new rumor. I mean, when that thing came out and that was so honking huge, the first thing everybody was asking is, where's the Slim model? Um, but they think... It's possible that it could come out this year. Uh, there's another possibility. They speculated that it have, could launch an external Blu-ray drive um, to supplement the diskless system, uh, which is weirdly redundant. But, you know, when the original uh, uh, 360 came out and they couldn't do Blu-ray, they had that HD DVD external drive. I don't know if you remember that or not. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Mm. But Sony was inevitable to win that... Uh, HD DVD versus Blu-ray war because they had studios, uh, movie studios, and they could just force that pro product onto Blu-ray and just bing, bang, boom, you're already dead. Uh, another thing that I found was the most fascinating. Like, you remember um, how it came out of complete left field, then Microsoft bought Bethesda, and then they kind of went on a drunk college student shopping spree and started buying up a whole bunch of studios. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out that they felt like they had to do that. Um, part of Phil Spencer's testimony was that he said, we were, we're a third place in the console wars. Sony and Nintendo are kicking our butts. And we heard rumblings that PlayStation was going to pull a Square Enix and pay to have uh, Starfield as a PlayStation exclusive. Uh, now, when I say pulling a Square Enix, the reason why you see almost no Final Fantasy games on the Xbox console is because Sony pays Square Enix not to have that IP on the console. This is apparently an industry secret that everybody knew, but now it's like confirmed with court documents that, yes, they are paying companies to keep IPs off of the platform. Um, and so they felt like if they lost Starfield they were never going to even come close to catching up. So they just started, they bought ZeniMax to make sure that Starfield um, was going to be on PlayStation, on uh, Xbox consoles. And then the more they got onto it, they decided to make it uh, exclusive, which is always hilarious to watch the Sony fanboys lose their shit over that. But they don't blink twice as like, oh, the next God of War is PlayStation exclusive. Oh, the next Last of Us is PlayStation exclusive. Blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, so that's just, you know, that's one of my pet peeves is, like, I'm not the biggest fan of console exclusives, but I understand the purpose of them. Mm. But I'm never going to rag on one console not getting it for very obvious reasons. Like, you know, Microsoft owns Bethesda now. Why would they put it on PlayStation of a game that big that hasn't already been promised? Uh, but that's that's a much deeper conversation. The closing arguments is where the really interesting thing comes in, because um, you know how you ever watch like going back to the sports analogy, 
You ever watch somebody playing a sport and just realize they are way over their heads? That was kind of the case. Yeah, I've seen that a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was kind of the case with the FTC lawyer trying to argue. Because um, the FTC's mandate as a government body is to protect the consumers. The FTC lawyer was constantly arguing over the protection of Sony. And specifically said Sony several times during the argument. And the judge eventually actually had to reprimand the lawyer saying, what about consumers? And, and I'm not saying Microsoft's a saint. I mean, every, every company that's as big as any of those companies, they got things that they don't want people to know about, and they've done things they're not proud of. But the FTC looked like an absolute fool, looked like more of a lawyer for Sony than the actual government body he was hired to do, to do his job to ensure the consumers, got dunked on several times by the Microsoft lawyers to one point... Um, he kept talking about uh, uh, Elder Scrolls, and the Microsoft lawyer was like, there's two Elder Scrolls. There's Elder Scrolls Online that's already on Sony's platform. There's Elder Scrolls V, which has been on Sony's platform and still continues to be on uh, Elder Scrolls' platform. And there's Elder Scrolls VI, which is um, years away. And she dropped a date of 2026, but I'm thinking that's maybe a placeholder date because... That guy actually got brought up with Phil Spencer's uh, testimony. He said it was at least five years out, which would put it to 2028. But when you think about it logically, they could easily both be right because 2026 could have been a placeholder date. But you look at the Redfield repeated delays, the Starfield repeated delays. They probably just never updated that date. So that lawyer was going off of the documents they had saying this was a, pl this was a placeholder date. And Phil Spencer, who actually knows where things are in development cycles. Like, yeah, that's like at least five years off. Hmm. Yeah. And the, the case is uh, concluded in the sense that both lawyers gave closing arguments. It's now with the judge. Doesn't know how long it's going to take. And the one saving grace in that, at least from what I can gather from the Q&A back and forth between the judge and the lawyers, I my impression, again, this is just an impression, but my impression is that the judge under least, at least understands the gaming space. It is very, very clear that the FTC lawyer does not understand gaming or gaming space. I'm not saying the judge is a gamer. He's got, like, a Steam account or something like that. But from the way he was asking questions to both Microsoft and the FTC lawyers, he at least kind of had a sense of what he was talking about. Maybe, you know, all his kids are Twitch streamers. Who knows? Obviously, that doesn't become relevant in terms of ruling for the law, but if he has a better understanding of the gaming space, it lets him rule based off of law better and not just pull something arbitrary out of nowhere. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise you might not understand the importance of... Yeah, like certain things like it's like like what exclusives truly mean, and you know that that kind of thing. Um, yeah, and how this words, especially for something is... on this scale, like a seventy billion dollar purchase. You know. Yeah, and that was one of the other things that made me think that the FTC lawyer was completely clueless because he kept, he was arguing that spending seventy billion dollars uh, to buy Activision Blizzard was the equivalent of spending seventy billion dollars on food. That it would get consumed and they wouldn't have it anymore. 
and the Microsoft lawyer and Phil Spencer hmm. both had to say no. That's what it's worth to us to buy to continue to sell the products to make a profit. And that concept kind of seemed to escape him for a little bit, huh. which is worrying when you're a lawyer for the Federal Trade Commission protecting company, protecting the consumer to make sure there's fair trade for products to purchase and you don't understand easily business 101 concepts of just because you buy a company doesn't mean everything in the company goes away, which is a little worrying, but you know, I don't, yeah. I don't expect competency from government officials and I am a government official. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Competency is, uh, yeah, not always quite, quite there. So anybody uh, who pays half attention to politics knows that. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. Trust but me, yeah, I, like, like I, I said, know. There's way too much to go into it. Um, you can look up. There's a ton of people. Uh, I, I like Dustin because he comes at it more from the gamer side. But mm -hmm. there's a ton of lawyers who have YouTube channels that are coming at it more from the legal side. And if you're interested in more of the law side, you can. I don't follow any of them, so I don't know that many of them. Um, so I don't know how competent they are in because law is very, very specific. Like business law is very different from criminal law, which is very different from civil law, uh, which is very different from uh, a divorce law, which is very different from child support laws. So each, you say lawyer is kind of a general term, but that's like equating a neurosurgeon to a cardiologist. They're both very good in their field, but you wouldn't want a heart doctor operating on your brain. Nope. Nope. I don't think so. Um, yeah, we'll see how this kind of continues and stuff i guess I've, I've not got that much to add but it was interesting to hear some of this uh information i saw some bits and pieces of about this over the last two weeks but um because uh, i was guessing you were gonna you were gonna bring this up today um but from following the man united takeover which is still ongoing and has been ongoing for like eight months and following this it gets a bit sort of like oh cool next little step and then the next little step, and then, you know, they're both sort of going differently in terms of those processes. Um, like, Man United aren't in court at the moment. They're trying to, we're just waiting to see what the Glazers do or don't do or whatever. But it's so a different situations, but um, both very big deals anyway. So, because one, one person's trying to buy a football club and another company's trying to buy a, a video game studio. Um, although one's for about six billion and one's for seventy, I'm not quite sure why they're very different prices, but that is what it is. So um, there we go. Uh, did you have anything else you want to say about this? Uh, about this, no. But we're going to keep it on the legal side of things because we do have an update from a story we talked about earlier. Uh, Sonic co-creator and Badland Wonderland's director Yuji Naka has been found guilty of insider trading with the Tokyo District Court. Uh, he got the two point the one point two million dollar fine and a two and a half prison year sentence um, suspended. And basically what that means is that it's kinda of hanging over his head yeah. to where he won't actually go to jail unless he does something wrong and then that that gets added onto whatever he did wrong. Uh, the yeah. punishment was uh, close to what the prosecutors were going for, which we talked about in the last podcast, with the exception that Naka avoids any jail time like I said, unless he violates all of the court's conditions, which isn't listed out. Um, according to a translation summary from 
The website Segabits, Naka was said to have shown great remorse, which led to the suspended sentence, despite the prosecution insisting otherwise. Uh, the fines will remain largely the same. Uh, he's been fined 2 million yen, uh, roughly 14,000 US dollars, with a further 171 million yen penalty. Um, obviously, this was originally back in November of 2022, which he was then arrested uh, for insider training. And then that's another long legal thing that you can look into if you want. Mm. Yeah. Um, we'll see how this goes as well, I suppose. Uh, you said ba- the, the Balan Wonder. I can't remember what that game was. That game called Balan Wonderland, uh, something like uh, that. Yeah, Balan Wonderland. It's just the company name. It's not a game. Oh, okay, because there's a game that's called something similar to that, isn't there? It, it might be the namesake of the company. So. Okay, because it's like a really bad game and and that kind of thing so yeah uh well, not I... everything you make it oh you, you cut out there for a second what'd you say oh i said not every game you make is a hit yeah yeah uh yeah but yeah not much add to this to myself um and we'll kind of see how it goes what, what do you what do you think of this uh, I, it, you know, it's the legal system. First off, it's a legal system in another country, so I really couldn't comment on that outside of stating the facts given to me in the article. Um, insider trading, obviously, um, there's a lot to unpack with things like that. Um, mm. You know, moral ethics. Um, it wasn't like he was uh, affecting anything in any way, just profiting, profiting off of what uh, always was always going to happen. So there's, you know, there's weird gray areas depending on how you think about various things. Um, honestly, since it's, you know, in another country, I don't really feel like I should make any kind of judgment on it on yeah. that sense outside of, you know, he had his lawyers, the government had their lawyers, and the lawyers did their lawyer thing. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Uh, what else did you want to talk about today? Uh, well, the last thing I have to talk about is a huge documentary that's getting ready to release. Um, if you're at all a fan of first-person shooters, then you should definitely at least look at it, even though it is a little bit pricey. Uh, the website is called fpsdoc.com, and it's uh, first-person shooter, the definitive FPS documentary. Uh, now, when I say huge, that's both in terms of time. It's a four-hour documentary, mm. so odds are you're not going to watch it all yeah, in one sitting, <laughs> but also in huge is the uh, synopsis and people that have uh, doing interviews for it. So all four original id Software founders, John Carmack, John Romero, Tom Hall, and Adrian Carmack, share stories about the early days into the early games that id made, including Wolfenstein, Doom, and Quake. Uh, they are joined by Sandy Peterson and American McGee, as well as Apogee Publisher, uh, Software Publisher and Founder, Scott Miller, um, Carl Helton, and Brett Jones talk about making GoldenEye on the N64, mm. which always confused me because Nintendo has always been such a family-friendly game, and the fact that they put a shooter out on their title always was really bizarre to me. Hmm. So they talked about that. Um, Halo co-creator Marcus Leto and writer and cinematic director Joseph Staten and game designer Jamie Greismer to, uh, are joined by Seamus Blackley and Ed Fries as they talk about Halo and the original Xbox about that. Um, 
Quake 3 designer Tim Wiltis and Unreal Tournament designer Cliff Blazinski went on to create Gears of War, uh, mm-hmm. give their uh, perspectives on arena shooters. Uh, Warren Spector talks about immersion and storytelling, about games like System Shock and Deus Ex, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And you would expect that from a four-hour documentary. Yeah. Um, so it's up for pre-order now. It's one of those weird things. I don't call it a Kickstarter because it's done. Uh, it's not a crowdfunder because it's done. This is more of guaranteeing your physical copy or get, at least guaranteeing it. Um, so if you just want the digital edition, uh, that's $49. That gets you a digital copy of the documentary. Um, you get your name in the credits. Uh, you get a digital copy of the soundtrack. Uh, you get some artwork for a desktop background. And then you get an ind- invite to what they're calling a virtual premiere watch party, which I'm guessing is some Zoom or Discord thing. Yeah. If you're yeah. looking for a physical copy, uh, it gets a little bit more pricey. The digital was $49. The standard is $99, which gets you the limited edition numbered first-person shooter Blu-ray with slipcase and reversible sleeve. Uh, a mini booklet that comes with it, three posters, you still get your name in the credits, you still get the digital soundtrack, uh, you get a sticker pack, you still get the digital uh, backgrounds, you still get the digital copy, and you still get the virtual premiere party. Uh, you want to go a little bit bigger, they've got the big box. Uh, and Big box is actually a throwback to old school computer games back in the 80s when they were actually in a big box. Think of like a book basically size because the five and a half inch discs obviously were five and a half inches big and then the instruction booklet had to fit in that so the boxes were roughly the size of the book mm. uh, so cool. you get everything mentioned before but you get it in the big box version you get a t-shirt a mouse mat um and name in the credits and all the other stuff uh if you got some splat cash to splash you can go for the associate producer, which is $1,500. But then you get associate producer credits on IMDb. Uh, you get associate producer credits on the posters they ship out. Uh, and then all the other stuff. You also get two tickets to the um, premiere. Obviously, uh, travel and airline and uh, a hotel is not included. Um, if you really want to Scrooge McDuckett, you can do the producer level, which is $3,500, which is everything else included. Plus, you get uh, VIP passes to the premiere. Uh, you get screening with the crew and special guests. And then all the other producer credits um, back in, uh, you know, from the previous. And there's actually a $6,000 executive producer level. Um, basically, it's the producer level but it's executive producer for all the titles for the people that care about titles. Um, but still, you know, tickets to the premiere, which I've been looking on the website. And I cannot find out where that premiere is actually being shown. Um, so that would obviously affect it a lot because I have to assume it's somewhere here in the States. So obviously if you, you know, drop five grand on it, which, yeah, you're totally going to do that. Uh, <laughs> you know, you have to fly over to America to wherever they had it. You get to a hotel room, so now you're probably talking between airline travel and hotels closer to like eight grand. But still, I mean, if you're at all interested 
in history of like the earlier video game days. At a bare minimum, I would recommend getting the digital copy. I mean, granted, 50 bucks is not cheap, but it's a four-hour documentary with literally every icon of the early 80s gaming genre of first-person shooters. Mm. Like, imagine every um, person from Manchester United that had their jersey number, that had the jersey retired or had their jersey on the wall as, like, a hall of legend. And imagine all of them coming in one room. You would want to be there for that if you're a big Man United fan. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, this is something I'm interested in. I, I didn't know this existed before you mentioned it. so that's, I literally that's saw cool. it today as, oh, a, cool. as a commercial. Um, don't know about price and that kind of stuff because, well, obviously I'm not going to be dropping in the grands on this, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, obviously the FPS genre is one that I really, really love. Uh, and I'm very grateful to games like Doom and, and Quake. Even though Doom's not quite for me, I still respect that game and still respect what it did. It's and... the building blocks of all the first-person shooters we play now. Yeah, yeah. How things like Call of Duty ended up here and all the other different ones that I've played over the years. Things like Halo, how important that was for Xbox and still is for Xbox. I know it's in a bit of a limbo state right now, but uh, it's still very important to Xbox. So uh, this might be something I look into, but... Um, I don't know about buying the different versions and whatever, but uh, like you said, four hours is a long time. Um, so uh, we'll see what this is. Uh, see what this is like. Um, how about yourself? Uh, I don't know that I would buy any of the versions because I mean it's not the mo- the money. It's just that I'm not as into the first person shooter genre as you are. Yeah. But I am. I am a history history guy, so <laughs> I might, you know, buy the digital version. And then with it being four hours long, I probably watch it in like half hour, hour increments or wherever logical breaks would be. Because with interviews, there's always going to be breaking points. You're not going to have one guy, you know, in a, being interviewed for an hour and a half straight, um, especially with as many people involved in the project as there are. There's there's going to be obvious breaks in it. Yeah. Um, but I might pick up the digital copy. Cool. Cool. Uh, so we'll see what that comes to. Uh, that's what you got for news this week? Yep, that's what I got. <clears throat> cool. Uh, let's move on to some feedback, some emails. Looking forward to getting into these. We've got four of them, I think. Uh, if you would like to write into the show, let us know about anything we discussed. Again, if you've got any tips on Ultra Hand, I'd love to hear them um, on Zelda and, and stuff like that. Uh, or any other gaming bits and pieces and that kind of stuff, matthewdentertainmenttalk.org, Twitter, eTalkUK, and there's information in your show notes. And no, I'm not on threads yet. I know everybody is doing that, but uh, I may jump onto that. I won't make a personal profile on there, but if I want one for like entertainment, stalk, entertainment talk stuff or whatever, um, I might do that at some point. So um, are you going to do that at all? The threads thing that everybody's doing? Did you meet your mic? I can't hear you at all. Yeah, I muted oh. my mic, sorry. Uh, no, but that's for one, I hate social media in general. <laughs> I don't blame I'm you. almost never on it. And for two, I have a couple friends that are in the cybersecurity world, and they actually say it's worse than Google for taking and collecting personal information. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, cool. Anyway, um, Josh writes in and says, I'm going to mention three different games to you each week. Um... Just say if you've played them and what you thought. The rating system is optional. Uh, it says The Witness, Mirror's Edge Saints, 
uh, and Saints Row. Uh, the Witness I've never played before. I've seen Access play a bit of that. Uh, PlayStation Access. Uh, which looked quite good. I don't know if that game's for me, but there's there's certain games I enjoy watching other people that I know I would really enjoy playing myself. Uh, Mirror's Edge, I really love that. Um, it's a shame what EA sort of did to that game. Um, I know we did get a sequel, um, but uh, still a bit of a shame. And Saints Row, I remember when I played one of the games on the 360. I couldn't tell you which one it was because I can't remember. And it just felt like a bit of a cheap GTA clone. And then they tried to reboot it. And let's say it just didn't work very well. Uh, rating system. Um, I'd go so far as to say Mirror's Edge is a light must play. Mir Saints Row. Don't really care. The Witness is like a don't skip maybe. Or something. Um, how about you for these three games? Uh, Witness. Never heard of it. Don't see it. So uh, no comment on that. Try playing Mirror's Edge. It gave me motion sickness. Oh. Oh, that's one of the other reasons why I don't get into VR is because that whole first-person action thing really messes with my uh, equilibrium. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to pass on a rating for that because I can't play it. Uh, the third one, you know, Saints Row, it's, it was okay. It uh, made the mistake of trying to out-goofy itself and then just became stupid. Mm. And then it just became a bad parody of itself. And yeah. then the reboot was such a broken mess that it just basically killed the genre in the yeah. franchise. I don't even know what you do with that franchise now. Um, Nothing. You, <clears throat> let, you let it be dead for 30 years, and then maybe you reboot it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what is the next one, if I'm reading this correctly? Harrison says, uh, how do you think game controllers can improve? Do you think we'll ever get rid of analog sticks? Getting rid of analog sticks. I don't know how you do something like that. Um, there's certain games I think you just need them. I mean, there's certain VR games that get away with just moving a controller, pressing a button, and then just kind of going from there. Because, um, like, the PlayStation Move controllers, they don't have analog sticks on them. It would be helpful if they did, but, um, like, certain games don't quite need that. Um, like an Iron Man VR, for example. But I couldn't imagine how you play something like FIFA or COD or... Something like that with analog stick. I mean, I because I I think I gave this opinion a couple of weeks ago. I have no idea how you'd make a first-person VR football game. I I don't know how you would do that. Um, there was that one VR football game I played, and it was it was horrible. Uh, the way it was trying to set set up and everything. The the problem with that is as well because you've not really got like feet controllers, um, and you're doing stuff because most VR games you play with your arms will have like swords or guns or something like that, so you, it's like more of a natural arm thing. If you're trying to play some sort of VR game that's football, but your controllers are in your hands, unless you're doing like a goalkeeper thing, but then the difference there, the mo most of the time for a goalkeeper, they're looking in one direction, and you could probably do that. But I'm talking about things like okay, if I'm playing FIFA in VR and I've got two controllers in my hands, how am I gonna take the ball? with my back to goal and then turn around properly and then kick the ball properly. Something like that. Um, unless it's a bit more of a linear thing, but then you're not really taking advantage of what football can do. Because um, players doing things like turning around, having their foot on the ball, doing all that sort of stuff is a really, really big part of it. So I don't know how you do that. but um, So, I, I, yeah, for the analog stick thing, certain games are able to do that without analog sticks. Uh, I mean... PC games are played without analog sticks because you have, but then you have the mouse which you can use to 
click on stuff and you have button keys and a whole bunch of stuff. Um, so yeah, how, how can they improve? I think... I don't know how you do this, because some controllers are too small and some are too big. Like, you look at the Joy-Cons, okay, they're more designed for the the children that are going to play um, Switch games. I'm not saying the controllers are only for children, but they're clearly designed to be the small ones, and the Pro controllers are clearly designed for, like, bigger hands. But you can't kind of... Um, you can't sort of like squeeze a controller or expand it and make it like a slight bit smaller or a slight like you can't do that with a controller because you'll break it. Um, but because so, in terms of like what controllers have at the moment, I don't need that many improvements on them really. I just think certain times with sizes. I also don't understand why, like one of them's got the analog left analog stick at the top, one's got it at the bottom, and you have that whole thing. Um, by the way, when I'm going between Xbox and Switch and PlayStation, that's, I don't know how, but that's never bothered me. My my thumb just naturally moves up or down, depending on where the analog stick actually is. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, the only ones I haven't tried yet is the, I can't remember what they're called. Is it the dual, um, whatever the new VR controllers are called for PSVR. I've not used those yet, so I can't comment on that. Um, I don't know what they are. Not the Dual Sense. That's the name of the PS5 one. It's the Dual something or other, but I can't remember the name. Um, one cool thing I have kind of heard about the VR stuff is there's haptic feedback in the headsets. So if something like, like in the Horizon game, if one of the I can't remember the name of the things, the the bird machines that are in the game, if one of them swoops over your head, you'll feel like a gush of wind over your head. That sounds kind of cool. That's not really how to improve the controller, but doing other things like that within controllers is maybe a way that you can do them. But in terms of taking like a normal Xbox or PlayStation controller, I don't really know how you improve that per se, unless you do other things like haptic feedback. But in terms of buttons or doing other things with analog sticks, other than a bit more customization, I don't really know how you improve them necessarily. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? Well, I grew up on games and controllers that didn't have analog sticks. Hmm. I mean, that's, in terms of gaming, that's actually relatively new. If you go to the uh, Atari 2600, I mean, technically, it technically was analog, but it was eight-directional, not omnidirectional. Yeah. And then you have the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo, and those are straight-up D-pads. Um, so it wasn't really until N64-level tech that we even had... Uh, uh, analog sticks so mm. yeah I mean if you've got a game like um, the 2D Mario games that doesn't need an analog stick because that's literally just left right jump and maybe like an action button or something so there are there are games obviously you've got mobile games as well those don't have analog sticks but um, like I remember when I tried a little bit of uh, I think it was Fortnite on mobile and you had like the um, what are they called um, virtual analog sticks or something to where you'd put your you'd place your thumb somewhere and the analog stick would appear in that spot and then you'd drag it up down left or right or whatever I, I, I hate the idea of that um, also where the game is involved with Fortnite when you're jumping and crouching and shooting and reloading and building and doing all other sorts of stuff having a situation where you've got just two thumbs because the rest of your hand is going to be holding the phone um, I didn't find that to work at all um, there was just too many things on screen to like press with with two thumbs. If you've got something like a subway surface where it's just left, right, up, down, 
that that that's fine because then you you can just play that one-handed um and those have worked uh quite well uh rose says first time long time welcome i hear the movement on modern warfare 2 is not good um you like talking about gunplay what's the worst and best i'm not a first person shooter person myself but do like third person games i also like third person games in fact one of my um two of my favorite games it depends on how it depends on what you think crash bandicoot is it's not strictly third person but it's not first person either uh, it's more corridor based. Um, obviously, I love things like Last of Us and Uncharted and Gears of War and all that kind of stuff, which are all like third person games. Um, the movement, um, that's just because people want to run, run around like headless chickens, which if you want to do that, that's fine. But that game doesn't really benefit you doing that, uh, which is why people are liking X Defiant, because you can very much run around like a headless chicken, although you can't go prone. So I don't know how that's going to work. Um, I was playing uh, Modern Warfare 2 yesterday, and I'm noticing this new trick that people are doing. I can't do it myself, and I'm not really interested in doing it. What somebody will do, let me see if I can explain this in a, right, in a proper way. So you can do a swan dive, which obviously where you, you dive and then you end up in a prone position. Or you can hold circle normally and just lay down and go prone. Um, they're doing this thing where they, ha they must have their sensitivity on like 20 or something. They'll jump on like a car or on a or on a ledge or on something that makes them higher than what you are. They'll sprint, maybe jump and swan dive. I don't know if you can jump and then do a swan dive. I'm not sure. Uh, do a swan dive. Literally spin themselves 360 or 360 in another half, so that they swan dive past you, but they're on the ground. But they spin themselves completely around. Almost like a fidget spinner type of thing. Then they'll be laying down on the floor. And then they'll be behind you. And they can do it very very quickly to where you don't realise. I'm not sure how to explain. Uh, the, what that is. But I, I, I found it fascinating to watch. And then when I saw the person on the kill cam. I thought it was quite interesting. Um, if I tried to do something like that. I'd probably end up just facing the wrong way. And getting shot. But that's not my kind of thing. Um, so people have found like tricks of ways of doing certain stuff. Um... But I think it's because, and I said this a long, long time ago, Modern Warfare 2 is a lot more tactical than what certain players realise and what certain players want. Uh, you also can't do what's called slide cancelling. Um, so it's again, it's not an issue of like the movement is bad or broken. It's just tactically slower than what other people are used to playing. Which, yeah, Call of Duty has been a lot quicker in the past. So... Um, you're talking about gunplay. What was the worst and best gunplay? Um... Modern Warfare 2, I still think, has got the best gunplay, particularly with how it works with the PS5 controller, because you do have all those clicks and, you know, haptic feedback bits and pieces and stuff, because it is very satisfying, like, when you're doing a reload animation, and your characters, like, click the magazine, click the bolt back, or it depends on what gun you're reloading, and you can kind of feel it all happening, and you're seeing it in very good fluid animation, that's what I mean by that type of stuff. Um, worst gunplay, I still remember how shockingly awful, and this was a long time ago, and I'm, I'm assuming Battlefield is different now, but when Battlefield 20, was it 2042, when that came out, and the beta came out, I remember doing 5 to 10 minutes of shooting, and I was quite horrified by how bad that was, I don't really know how to describe how bad it was, but it felt like, and I know this is kind of a cliched sort of, Silly jokey thing to say. It, it did feel like a PS3 game. Um, and I'm assuming Battlefield has improved since... I hope it's improved since then. Because it's been out for, what, a couple of years now? Um, 
X Defiant was fine. I don't think it was neither good or bad. It was very just kind of middle. But X Defiant feels like a game that's more focused on its movement than its gunplay, whereas Modern Warfare 2 is the other way around. Um, there's certainly a lot more focus on like the animation and how the guns work, whereas X Defiant it's just slide, slide, bang, bang, slide, slide, bang, bang, jump. You know, if if that makes sense. Um, I know you don't really play first-person games, but do you have anything to uh, add to that at all? Like some stuff you've maybe seen or whatever? Uh, not really with the terms of shooters. I mean, there's always going to be games that uh, disappoint mm. because of controls and back controls. Yeah. Um, nothing really jumping off the top of my head um, that I could relate to a shooter. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, when I look at the idea of what Modern Warfare 2 is trying to do in an X Defiant, because as I said when they wrote, when they talked about it on the Ubisoft thing, I was like, okay, I can kind of see, you know, military-ish shooter game. It's in the same genre, but it's not the same. Like, Battlefield is more comparable to Modern Warfare because it's a grounded military shooter. X Defiant is, is not that same type of thing. So, but you enjoy what you want to enjoy. And X Defiant is going to be free to play, I think at least. Um... And if you want to play that, then um, there you go. Um, ben asks, uh, this is the last one, he says, uh, what's the worst and best haptic feedback you've experienced? Um, well, Astrobot is, what's it called, Astrobot Rescue Mission? Yeah. Um, is designed around haptic feedback, you know, with the laser legs and, like, sliding on the, on the ice and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so that's kind of designed for that. Um... For third per third party games, Hogwarts Legacy is still the best. Like the swooshing of the air when you're like flying on a broomstick, and they're like when the swooshing of the water, like when you're swimming and stuff. Not that you do a lot of swimming in that game, but um, there's like a few hidden little secret bits and pieces that will require you to do that. Um, it's just amazing that because all it is is different frequencies of vibrations. But when it feels like like on Hogwarts Legacy, for example, when you're swimming in the water. It feels like there's water being pushed in the controller. Um, and I can't explain kind of how <laughs> that feels. Not as in like, oh god, there's water in my controller and it's going to break it. But like, it feels like it's being moved through through your controller. And there's other bits as well, like with Astro, the Astro game. Where I think you can collect like a bunch of little Astros in your controller. And you tip them from left to right. And it feels like there's these little bots these little Astrobot people in your controller that are, like, moving in there. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, so the, the way I don't like haptic feedback sometimes, and a few games have kind of done this, it's not just supposed to be strong vibration, strong vibration, strong vibration. It's what it's, To me, it's what it's supposed to do is give you a specific bit of feedback or feeling. Um, like, when there's metal clicking of guns or, like, reloading and stuff... It doesn't just feel like normal vibration, that kind of thing. It feels like an actual metal thing is clicking in a certain way in your hand. Um, but, because there, there was like a couple of times in, in Rift Apart, was it Rift Apart, the Ratchet & Clank game? Where like, okay, that game is very sort of, you're shooting big bombs and all this kind of thing. And there was a little bit too much of just big vibration, because big explosion, but it's not sort of doing anything particular. It's just that and that does still feel different to like the DualShock 4 when it would vibrate or like the Xbox controller when it would vibrate um but it doesn't give you specific frequencies it's just you know an explosion happens so here's a big vibration in the controller but um 
Anything you want to add to that with uh, any of those things? Uh, well, I don't have a PS5, so I can't really comment on haptic feedbacks. But, you know, I like I said in the previous, I played games long before any kind of feedback was a thing. So mm. it's cool that we have it, but, you know, I lived without it. Yeah, yeah. It just... Um... I mean, I would say it doesn't necessarily make a game better or worse, but to me it does make a game better because, to me, it kind of just immerses you a little bit more. Um, the other example that, that I almost forgot is, and I, I remember when I saw this as a news article, and I remember a lot of people thinking, oh, that's a joke, that's not going to be part of the game. When The Last of Us Part 1 came out, and you had the, th what, I, what I'm going to call throat vibrations, because I don't know what else to call them, like when characters talk in the game and it feels like that's happening in the controller, and it would change based on the distance of the character, the tone of their voice, obviously because characters could talk quietly or more aggressively or shout or whatever in that game. And <clears throat> you felt that in the controller. And you get it in cutscenes, out cutscenes, you get it with the enemies, like if they're saying, hey, where's the girl or, you know, something like that. You'll feel that in the controller as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so you can have a scene where you're sort of like, you're hearing an NPC talk, because it also helps a little bit with like, awareness and direction and stuff. And you could be, let's say, pulling the string back on your bow and you'll, you'll, you'll feel that while you'll feel the enemies talking. And it just, I don't know, it just immerses you a little bit more, I find. So, um, I, I don't feel like enough third party developers have really taken advantage of it. It, it is more of a first party thing, because they've only got PlayStation to focus on, because... I understand if you've got a game that's going to be on Xbox One, PS4, Series X, Series S, PC, PS4, PS5, like on a bunch of different stuff, potentially on everything, like if it's on Switch as well. Because then when you've got how many different versions of different consoles and systems, you won't really take the time out to be like, oh yeah, there's one specific one that does this one specific thing. Let's try and dedicate programming time to, to doing that. Um... So yeah, there we go. Anyway, that's what we've got for you for this week on Gaming Talk. Uh, we'll see who says what about what next week uh, and what gets what gets announced. Um, what are you planning on playing in the next I'm week? I'm going to stick with seven days. I'm, I've been keeping an eye on uh, Game Pass to see if anything interesting pops up. But, you know, I've tried a few games, but nothing that I've really played to any kind of extent. So, mm. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to stick with Tears of the Kingdom, try to work out Ultra Hand a bit more. And um, I'm queued up to get Final Fantasy 16, but I've not been sent it yet. Um, but uh, that will be hopefully on my next game. Because I did play... Did I talk about that at all? I can't even mm -hmm. remember. The, the demo that I played. Because I, I did finish the demo. Um, it was really, really, really good. Really good. Especially where the demo ends. I was like, wow, I can't wait to get back into that. Which is a, which is a good impression to leave me with. So... I was very, very happy with that. Um, so, looking forward to that. Those are both, like, 50-hour games each. So, uh, and then I'll, I'll dip into COD when I feel like it and stuff. Um, and we'll go from there. Anyway, thanks very much for listening. You can find, in the meantime, our podcast on entertainmenttalk.org, TV, games, films, main night podcast. Look out within the next week for that... Uh, um, that DC podcast related to Snyder stuff. I'm not going to talk specifically about what it is because it's a pod podcast project plan. Uh, but look out for that. I'm very excited to do that. I've still got one more film left to watch, but that's going to be very interesting. Uh, Game and Talk again next week. Uh, in the next, I think it's two weeks, me and David will be back to doing Breaking Bad. There's 
15 films coming out every week, so I'll get to those when I can. Um, there's literally like a big film coming out every week all the time now. It's, uh, I, I don't know that I've seen this many big films get released this consistently for this long. I mean, Mission Impossible just came out, Indy 5 just came out, Oppenheimer's coming out, or was it Oppen Oppenheimer? Uh, Barbie's coming out, um, Elemental is just about to come out, Spider-Man's already come out, the, the list is just endless. Um, they've got the new Insidious chapter, not that I'm into that stuff, but none of these films are, like, small. Um, they've all got something big attached to them. Um, even, like, okay, the Jennifer Lawrence comedy is a bit small, but she's a big star, there's something there. Uh, DreamWorks has just come out with another film. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. But that. Speaking of which, did you see that uh, movie that came out that nobody heard about that absolutely crushed? You have to be more specific because not many it's of called, them do uh, very well. Sounds of Freedom. No. Literally never heard anything about it at all. Um, Jim Caviezel and Amira Sorvino. And it did almost 15 million opening day mm -hmm. yeah. um, I, I want to do a podcast at one point about because there are a lot of these big films not many of them are making a lot of money and to me it's pretty obvious as to why because there's just too many of them but there's a conversation to be had there because there's all sorts of things about oh Flash isn't making money super fatigue this that and the other I think there's different obvious reasons for that, but um, I don't know what I'm going to call that podcast yet. So, because um, like Mission Impossible just come out as like there's there's just there's there's so many there's so much stuff. <laughs> well, let me know when you do that. I might want to jump in on that. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, I don't know what the title will be yet for, but I I know what I want to talk about on it, but um, I don't know what to call it yet. So, which is weird because. Because my, my brainstorming works in a specific way. Usually I'll think of like, I want to talk about this and I'll know the title straight away and then I'll come up with the footnotes. This time I've got the footnotes, but I don't know what the title to be called. And I also want to call it something interesting as well because, you know, thumbnails and titles are, are important. So, all right. Uh, where did I even get up to in the in the outro? Um, TV, games, films, main night, podcast, entertainment talk.org, podcast platforms, entertainment talk. Um, word of mouth, social media, let other people know about what we're doing and where they can find it. If that's on threads, Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is that everybody uses. There's like too many of them things. Um, but use whatever ones you use to tell other people. That will really help us out. Patreon, $5, $10 level tiers. Ad-free podcast review options. Look at that as well if you'd like to. TV and film news. David is still posting TV and film news on Geek Town or uh, geektown.co.uk. Uh, Geek Town Radio will be back very soon. I think within the next couple of weeks. Uh, so look out for that. Uh, Bex, if you want to support her work, which I recommend that you do, uh, Trista B-Y-T-E-S over on Twitch, go and support her retro chat game and other streams. Me on Twitch is the Talk UK and YouTube Entertainment Talk Plays. I've got way too many game clips to put up, but I will do that when I've got some time, which I've not got a lot of time right now. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.